If you're in the midst of a trial that feels like it's lasting forever and you cannot understand why, or if you've ever asked yourself, when will this suffering end? Then today's podcast is for you. We're talking about the reasons we believe we all go through trials that last a long time and what we're supposed to do about them and some comforting words of hope that we turn to in these times. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Neil. Hi. And we're going to talk about a topic that's so fun to talk about, long suffering and trials that seem to last forever. Seems timely. Are you right excited? Now. Yeah. Are you so excited, excited to talk about trials and suffering? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a gnarly topic, but fitting, I guess, Listen, we Yeah, we felt like this would be a good topic because so many people are going through so many hard things right now. And we just finished listening to our church's general conference where they talked so much. I feel like more than I've ever, ever heard about, you know, how to hang in there and have faith and keep going and just some really cool promises and really cool um, advice and encouraging things that were shared by our leaders and our church men and women who are leaders in our church. And, you know, it's funny as this year with 2020, as I've gone through my trial and this struggle with postpartum depression, I keep telling my therapist over and over that I have this obsession with how long is this going to last? Because there's this weird thing for me that I feel like if I know how, how long something's going to last, I can do it. So like I can sit down to the piano and practice for eight hours if I know that eight hours is how long I need to practice. But if somebody tells me, go sit down at a piano and play until I tell you to stop. And I have no idea how long that's going to last. 10 minutes into it, I'm like, I've been doing this for forever. There's something about knowing what the end is that's so helpful to me. And I think Neil loves to say, oh, Corinne lives in the future. You do, but, very future oriented, which is good. But I am a planner and I, I like to know the end from the beginning as much as I can. And Unfortunately, in life, that's just not how it works a lot of times. Especially in 2020. Right. So um, how has this applied to you lately, Neil? Um, I think in a lot of ways. Um, I've wanted to kind of be done with certain challenges and certain trials. I think most recently, the death of my brother, almost two years ago, um, I think that you know, that grieving process and working through the, the fallout of it and the ongoing challenge of it. Um, and, and what I've learned also with losing another brother to suicide when I was 13, 12, 12 or 13, um, that never fully goes away and, and it never fully, you, you're never just, just fully okay. And, and it's fine. Um, because it's, it's a permanent, a permanent thing at least in this life, but it does get better. And I think that, you know, in the last year, a couple of years, I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to, to, you know, keep, keep moving and, and pull the lessons together and, you know, work through this process. But I found that it, it, you know, will continue to come up or there are different things will happen that bring those feelings up or it, it, it's more chronic in nature. And I think that there are a lot of challenges that are acute where it's like, okay, one day or, a week or whatever, a month, and then you're through it. And then there's other that are just, that are chronic, that are ongoing, that are, that are challenges, you know, and even throughout your life. 
And I think that you look in the Bible or scripture or whatever, you see instances of people receiving miraculous healings immediately, like Christ heals the blind man, raises Lazarus from the dead, like these things happen. But oftentimes, you know, what do you do when you're faced with the situation where it's like, maybe it's not getting better. Maybe it's not coming to a resolve. Maybe you're, it's a chronic ongoing thing and your faith is being tested. Um, and I think that there were some, some talks that I, I heard that theme over the weekend at a general conference where it talked about that, where it's, it's, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes there are certain things that are, are needed for us. We, we need to learn or go through in order to become more like Jesus Christ to become more like our heavenly father. And if those things were taken away immediately, then maybe we wouldn't be able to have that development. We wouldn't be able to grow in our character and in our spiritual being. So true. Uh, Rebecca Craven gave an incredible talk at the women's session of general conference. And she said, enduring to the end means changing to the end. And she talked a lot about change and a lot about how she said, that she kind of cringes when people say, Oh, I haven't seen you in years, but you haven't changed a bit. And she said something about like, I hope, I hope I'm changing and I hope I'm growing and learning and that life is changing me for the better. But there was, was it, um, Jeffrey R. Holland, somebody yeah, said that he, he talked about it. Yeah. When he was like, do you remember that? Maybe I'll let you try to remember. I, I was chasing children during that talk. <laughs> I am so excited to hear it finally, when it finally gets released that I can go back and listen to it. But I did catch that part of basically in you know, the concept of what he talked about from my memory is there will be times where it's, it's, you know, maybe the healing doesn't come as quickly as you would hope, or that there's a, an ongoing chronic challenge that you're facing. And, you know, what do you do? How do you, how do you handle that? And, and I love that a lot of the, the speakers, a lot of them referred to this instance of, uh, it's in Doctrine and Covenants, it's a book of scripture that we have, um, where the prophet Joseph Smith he is in Liberty jail. He's basically imprisoned under false charges and he's in there forever uh, for a long time. And it's the dead of winter and it's freezing cold. And he's kind of has this prayer, has this moment where he's talking to God and he's asking him, he's like, how, how long is this going to go on for? Like, how long am I going to hear about the persecution of the saints? And he's hearing from the, the guards that are watching over him. They're just saying these horrible things that they're doing to the people of his congregation and, and the mobs that are, you know, tarring and feathering and, and worse, the, the members of his congregation. And he's like, how long do I have to sit and listen to this and be freezing cold in a, in a cell that I can't even stand up in, you know, and he has this communication with God and God comes in and, and tells him some amazing things and, um, you know, reminds, basically reminds him that Jesus Christ has descended below all things. And one understands, um, how that, how that feels it, but not, it not just understands, but also overcame and knows how to overcome those type of, of challenges. So a lot of the speakers at general conference referenced this section in the Doctrine and Covenants, um, yeah, section really 121 was, through 123, as I, it kind of encompasses that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to agree with you that I think it was referenced more than I've ever heard it referenced before in a general conference. 
Um, and sorry to go back to Elder Holland's talk. The part that I was thinking of was when he was saying, this is not how Jesus laid it. He didn't say, send me down to earth, give me the easiest possible set of circumstances, make sure that nobody dislikes me, nobody questions me, no one persecutes me, make it all easy for me, God, and then I'll come back and I want all the glory. Yeah. He didn't say that. He's, you know, he was willing to take upon all of the sins and suffering of the world and go through the most agonizing pain that any human being has ever experienced so that he could, you know, be, be the perfect savior who completely understands everything that each of us go through. So, um, goes through (laughs) anyway. So I thought that was pretty remarkable. And also when he said, I mean, I just wrote down, is the highest good to avoid all suffering? And the answer is obviously no. Like, and I think sometimes people think that like the best possible life is one that doesn't involve any suffering. And that's actually not the case because if we didn't go through anything hard, we wouldn't become the people we need to become and the people that God needs us to be. And also this was an a total like quotable quote, right? Where he said, Christianity is comforting but often not comfortable. And that's so true. There's a lot of uncomfortable things that we have to go through to become like Christ. So, and, and that refining process, it's really, really hard. And I think that, uh, it was, I think it was President Eyring who said she needed just a little more polishing. Was that who said that? He's talking about his, uh, his mother at his mother's funeral. One of the prophets spoke, uh, the presence or the leaders of our church spoke and, and he talked about this time where she was sick and she was dying and, and kind of asking that question of like, well, why did she have to go through that? And why did, you know, this amazing, great person had to go through this challenge of, of fighting a disease and eventually dying you know, why? And so his comment was, it was further refinement that she was being refined spiritually through the experience that she had. Yeah. So what I wrote down, and this is not a direct quote from him, but these were just my thoughts were, um, when you suffer, it's because the Lord wants to polish you a little more. So that was my take on that. And my takeaway from his talk was, you know, when we go through really hard things, it's because the Lord is trying to polish us a little more. And that's definitely a comforting way to think of some of these hard things. Cause I think it's easy to feel like heavenly father, where are you? Yeah. You know, do you know how hard this is for me? And do you know how hard these trials are and how much I'm suffering and how alone I feel or how difficult this period of life is? I think we've all felt that before. Yeah. At least I have. No, I totally, I totally have felt that. And it can be disheartening, even being someone who believes in God and has like his faith based. And it can even at times feel like super frustrating knowing that like, okay, I know I believe in God. I believe in a plan. I know it's all going to work out. But in this moment, I feel horrible. I don't feel good. I, you know, I'm going through these, these struggles and I, I felt that after my brother died, I'm like, okay, I know the plan. I know that I'm going to see him again. I know that, you know, we're eternal beings. I know all this stuff, but I am struggling. 
I am having such a hard time with this and I, I'm feeling these emotions. And someone pointed this out to me. This is actually really cool. Um, that when Jesus Christ came to bring Lazarus back from the dead, that he, he basically, and I, I went back and I read this and the, and the gist of the story is, is, you know, he tells his apostles, Hey, we got to go back. We got to go raise Lazarus from the dead. And they're like, how do you know that? And he's, you know, he's Jesus Christ. He knows. And he talks about how he's basically going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. And so he knows this going into it. Um, but when he gets there and he talks to Mary and he talks to, you know, the people there and he can see that the sorrow and the mourning that they're having for Lazarus, it says, and this is the shortest scripture that we have um, on from Christ. And, and I believe in the, in the Bible as a whole, which is Jesus wept. And that's when Christ, no, even knowing all of this, he still weeps in that moment. He knows he's going to bring him back to life. He's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to resurrect him or bring him back to life like right now. But he still takes the time and he still feels those things. And it, and it, once I heard that, once somebody shared that with me, I'm like, okay, like that's okay for me to have feelings in this moment and to mourn or to be sad. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in God. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in God's plan or resurrection or that we're all going to live again or see each other again, but it's okay to have these feelings and experience that. And Christ being the, the person that he is and the example that he is, he set that example for us. And that's, that's okay. And that one took me a while to figure out. I, I, it took me a minute. That was profound, Neil. I'm, I, <laughs> that's, that's not for me. I can't take credit no, for any of that. Somebody so told good. me that. I was kind of smiling when you brought up Jesus wept because I, my immature association of that is always like that was the, the token scripture to memorize in, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> like when we were challenged to memorize a scripture or say your favorite scripture, that was like what everybody went to. So I did not. No, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I didn't know the backstory of that scripture. And now it means a whole lot more to me. So I love that you shared that. That's so cool to know the context there. Yeah. And I, again, somebody told that to me recently, but the concept behind that is really powerful. And and so I think when we're going through these things, the, the comfort that I feel is that Jesus Christ understands. He descended below all things, meaning he experienced all things uh, that everyone went through ever and then overcame them and knows how to overcome them, knows how to, the scriptures in the Book of Mormon in Alma talks about succor us, succor his people or help them or provide help for, for us. Um, so that we, you know, we one can know that somebody does know how we feel and that two, we can receive God's grace and comfort and, and love because of his sacrifice, basically. in my life where I've felt like the trials, not during, but after I usually look back and after I can, not always, but sometimes I can see, Oh, that's why heavenly father had me go through that. And there a couple come to mind. So one was when I was, uh, I was sick for a few months when I was in ninth grade and couldn't go to school. And my mom was taking me to doctors and trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I had this like abdominal pain that 
later on we kind of traced to, I think it may have been because I had an adverse reaction to a medication that I was taking for acne. Um, but at the time that it was a newer medication and we didn't even understand what was going on. And so anyway, this was like a few months of me not being able to be around peers and not being able to be part of my ninth grade year, which, you know, that's like your first technically your first year of high school. And there were so many fun things going on and I hated sitting at home and missing out. I was the kid that loved school and I never wanted to, you know, miss out on anything fun with learning or with my friends. And, um, I think that that period of life really taught me to know how to be a good friend and to know how to minister a little bit. I think that was my first taste of ministering or or showing compassion and love to others because I had friends like actually Laura Belknap, who was a guest on our podcast and her show had, or her episode, sorry, had tons and tons of downloads because she's on the Utah board of education. She's this remarkably accomplished woman who has done so much for education in Utah, but she also, and she had a, you know, a pile of kids, a whole bunch of kids. Um, so a very busy woman herself, but when I was sick, I will never forget this, that she took the time to come over and just sit with me. And I think she sat and watched TV with me and laughed with me and made me feel like I wasn't alone. And I just so felt like after I got through that trial that it taught me to feel for others who are going through a long trial of sickness of what that's like to feel kind of isolated and alone and to um, feel physically sick for a long time. And so, you know, that trial I feel like was shaped who I, you know, it just changed me. And even this recent trial of postpartum depression, my therapist also said to me recently, she said, you're never going to be the same after this. This will change you. And which is so true. There are so many parts of me that used to judge others that I feel like I could never again, be judgmental about, you know, someone who's experiencing true depression and just can't get out of bed because that's been me for so many days of this trial. Um, and another that comes to mind for me too, is when I went through a divorce and was separated for a year and still kept going to church every week. And I remember so distinctly what it felt like to show up to church and feel like a social misfit. You know, I felt like I, I wasn't, I didn't belong to the single crowd, but I also wasn't on the path of I'm married and I'm about to have my first kid. You know, I was this like complete social misfit in the church or in our church. And yet I still kept going. And I had, it was a true test of where I really stood with my testimony. Like, am I going to church for social interaction or am I going because I believe in God? And I had to show up because of the latter, not the former. Like I had to show up because I had a conviction in Jesus Christ and in the, the work of being spiritually strong and not just because it was a social scene, you know? So I feel like that created, not only it strengthened my faith, but it also just created a deeper sense of compassion for the rest of my life. I feel like I will have a different, um, understanding for those who feel like social misfits at church, because I was that person 
for a good amount of time where I felt so uncomfortably misunderstood and kind of judged and that I didn't fit in slash didn't belong. But yet I kept going because it was really about my relationship with Heavenly Father and not about what other people thought of me and my current circumstances, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. But what, I don't know, what comes to mind for you, Neil, like some of the experiences, I know you shared a little bit about, you know, losing Dave and losing Steve, but are, are there any others that you can think of things that you've gone through that things that like long trials that you had to endure that changed who you are? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's obvious ones that I've talked about a lot with facing addiction. That's like a, you know, a long-term affects a lot of different parts of life. And there were several moments where I'm like, why can't this just be taken away? Like, I, I seriously, I don't want this thing anymore. Like I'm reading these stories in the book of Mormon, like, you know, God healing people immediately and taking away these, you know, these issues that they had, like, why, why can't he just take my challenge away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually a really cool quote on that because I, I struggled with that concept for a long time and wondered why. And then I, I read, there was a, there was this talk that it was a worldwide devotional and it was given, it's actually 2011. It's elder Christofferson and it's called give us this day, our daily bread. And he, he basically talks about more so or less good. taking taking things one day at a time. So he quotes President Ezra Taft Benson, who was a previous uh, leader of our church. And he says, we must be careful as we seek to become more and more Christ-like that we do not become discouraged and lose hope. Becoming Christ-like is a lifetime pursuit and very often involves growth and change that is slow, almost imperceptible. The scriptures record remarkable accounts of men whose lives changed dramatically in an instant, as it were. Alma the Younger, Paul on the road to Damascus, Enos praying far into the night, King Lamoni, such astonishing examples of the power to change. Even those steeped in sin give confidence that the atonement can reach even those deepest in despair. But we must be cautious as we discuss these remarkable examples. Though they are real and powerful, they are the exception more than the rule. For every Paul, for every Enos, and for every King Lamoni, there are hundreds and thousands of people who find the process of repentance much more subtle, much more imperceptible. Day by day, they move closer to the Lord, little realizing they are building a God-like life. They live quiet lives of goodness, service, and commitment. We must not lose hope. Hope is an anchor to the souls of men. Satan would have us cast away that anchor. In this way, he can bring discouragement and surrender. We must not lose hope. The Lord is pleased with every effort, even tiny daily ones in which we strive to be more like him. The Lord is pleased with every effort, even the tiny daily ones in which we strive to become more like him. So I really like that just because it take it kind of dispels that thought or that frustration that I had. And I know a lot of people at times will feel like, why doesn't this just happen immediate? Why, you know, these examples are in the scriptures, whether I'm trying to change something, I'm trying to overcome something, why is it not happening now? Um, And it's a process. And usually there's a reason for that process and becoming more Christ-like is a process that 
can be slow and almost imperceptible. Yeah, I think that quotation is so good because it is easy to think like maybe if I were more righteous, maybe if I were making better choices, maybe if I were closer to God, then he would just give me more blessings and take away all these hard things for me. When really, I think a lot of times he waits and he allows us to be polished. Like I I keep going back to that that visualization of being polished instead of it's le- it's has less of an abandonment feeling like, come on, heavenly father, like you're just going to leave me out here and, you know, and abandon me in the middle of my crisis or, you know, I feel all alone where maybe he's just allowing you to be polished a little bit more and refined and more because honestly, if everything was just pretty easy, I, we wouldn't, we wouldn't grow or learn or be, you know, become who he needs us to be. And I even think about some of the times that I felt like it's interesting that you say that you felt like, okay, heavenly father, just take this away from me. I want this to be done. I remember feeling that same way too, feeling like, okay, seriously, why can't you just make this go away? And, um, speaking of your addiction. And I felt like I'm doing all the things that I can possibly try to do to be obedient and keep the commandments and serve others. And basically I'm being a good girl. Like now give me my prize, you know, (laughs) now give me what I'm asking for. And that's a lot of times just not how, first of all, it's not how the Lord works with just handing us whatever we ask for. It's not a vending machine. And second of all, you also can't control others. And that was a big, you know, that was a big thing that I had to learn is that God gives us all agency. So he sends all these imperfect people down to the earth and then he allows us agency. And sometimes suffering happens because of other people's choices or because of our own choices or, you know, and sometimes not at all. It's like, sometimes it's COVID-19 where none of us asked for this. It's just what happened to the world you know, and it turned us all upside down. And so in each of those circumstances, though, the the common theme is that we can go to our Heavenly Father and be submissive to His will and trust Him, trust that He has a plan for us and that if He needs to, I, like, I love Neil's faith. I still remember that when I was all nervous um, about all of the things coming together for us to be able to be married in the temple, almost 10, let's see, nine years ago. And he just kept looking at me with complete faith with, he was so unshaken in this. He just kept saying, Corinne, Heavenly Father, this is easy for him. Heavenly Father can make this work. Like he can part the Red Sea. He can make this work for us. And he did. There were some miracles that happened that allowed for the timing to just line up perfectly for us to be able to get married in the temple, which was hugely important to Neil and hugely important to me. And, um, and, and yet sometimes it feels unfair when I look at, you know, two of my very best friends in the whole world have both struggled with infertility and that has not been mine or Neil's challenge. And, and yet for some reason, Heavenly Father has different trials in store for us that he needs me and Neil to go through in order to be the people that he needs us to be. And I don't have all the answers, but I do know for sure that Heavenly Father loves us so much and appreciates our willingness to be submissive to what 
he knows is best for us. Kind of like, you know, I still remember that when we were trying to potty train Lila and I said, Lila, if you go potty in the toilet, you get to, you know, X, Y, Z. We kept telling her these fun things like Lila, if you go potty in the toilet, you get to have a candy or Lila, if you go potty in the toilet, you get to go to dance. And she looked at me one day as we were getting in the car and she goes, mommy, if I go potty in the toilet, I get to drive the car. And I was like, no, Lila, (laughs) this is when she's like, you know, three years old. And obviously if my three-year-old or my seven-year-old had the opportunity, they would love to jump behind the wheel of the car and go drive it around because that probably sounds really fun to them and the freedom of being able to go wherever they want and not have to ask questions. But we know as adults that that would be a horrible idea for a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or a three-year-old to drive a vehicle. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father knows perfectly what he needs us to learn and what he needs us to do and how he needs us to grow for us to be who he needs us to be and and serve others and have compassion and understanding and kindness in our hearts for the things that people around us are going to go through. And a lot of that just has to come through that polishing. Yeah. No, and it can be frustrating in the moment to be stuck in that, and it is. And but I think I like the the concept of perspective, and that was another comment that that was talked about in, during conference. This concept of of having an eternal perspective and knowing that, you know, there's there's more beyond what we're seeing, and there's a greater plan in store. So President M. Russell Ballard gave. Uh, talk all about prayer, which is not necessarily our topic today, but he did include in that talk a really, really good little nugget that said, "Um, I think often of those of you who are suffering, worried, afraid, or feeling alone, I assure each one of you that the Lord knows you, that he is aware of your concern and anguish, and that he loves you intimately, personally, deeply, and forever. And I loved that too, because it's like, Heavenly Father, going back to what you said about um, Jesus wept, like I think Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, they know us, they care about us, they care about the hard things that we go through. They have emotions, they're real people, you know, and when we suffer, I think they they feel for us too, even even if they do know it's for our good, you know, kind of like, I don't know, when our kids are just learning to walk and they they stand up and take a couple wobbly steps and then they fall and cry. You know, if you could pick up a baby and carry them around the rest of their lives and not let them learn to walk, you know, and thus preventing them from having any pain ever. But the greater pain later on would be if they didn't know how to use their legs and walk, you know, because we prevented them from doing that because we just carried them around everywhere. Neil, do you have any final thoughts for this? I think that, um, Having having an eternal perspective and seeing the that there's there's a reason for it, but having enough faith to understand that we might not see that reason or understand why, but having enough trust and faith in God that He knows why and that there is a reason, and that someday we'll we'll figure that out. But knowing that He knows best. Um, is, is really what's gotten me through major challenges and trials in my life where there aren't answers and, and I'm probably not going to get the answers in this life. Um, it requires a, an internal perspective in really seeing things 
from from that perspective and and not being so short-sighted in my own perspective. Okay, I'm totally going to piggyback off of that because I learned a really important word yesterday and that was myopic. And I love that word because now it has this new meaning to me, which is, can you only see what's right in front of your face or can you see, you know, the long term and, and see eternity and see what's to come. And so myopic is just being nearsighted and only seeing what's right there in front of you, only seeing the current trial, only seeing today or tomorrow or just this this last week or this next week and feeling like you're stuck forever. Most hard things don't last forever and all hard things are not going to last forever because someday, if you believe what we believe, we're going to get to heaven where our Heavenly Father is going to make everything right and perfect justice and mercy will take over and and he's just going to make all of the wrongs that we were ever dealt with in life. He's going to make all of those right. And so if we have that eternal perspective, then we can hang on to that and know that really, really good things are coming and that all of the affliction and all the trials that we go through are for our good and that we just, we have to trust the Heavenly Father sees so much more than we can see and that he is polishing us for the better to be the people he needs us to be so uh thanks for hanging out with us and thanks guys we'll see you next week thanks so much for listening to mint arrow messages make sure you follow us on instagram at mint arrow subscribe to our apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us and to get show notes go to mintarrow.com slash podcast and you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox and we'll email you every time there's a new episode